0: Hello, friends, and welcome to episode 691 of the Juicebox Podcast. Erica Forsythe is back today. She is a licensed marriage and family therapist who has had type 1 diabetes for over 30 years, You can catch Erica on episode 407, Emotions at Diagnosis and Diabetes Distress, episode 445, Supporting Caregivers, episode 473, Sneaking Food, episode 479, Teen Talk, episode 514, Sharing the Care of a Type 1 Child, episode 576, Hard Type 1 Questions from Kids, and episode 659, Burnout. Today, episode 691 is about mom guilt. And I have the mom in quotes because it's really about guilt for both parents and adults living with type 1. Please remember while you're listening that nothing you hear on the Juice Box podcast should be considered advice, medical or otherwise. Always consult a physician before making any changes to your healthcare plan or becoming bold with insulin. I have a couple more little announcements here after the music, and then we're going to get right to Erica. This show is sponsored today by the glucagon that my daughter carries, Gvoke HypoPen. Find out more at gvokeglucagon.com/juicebox. The podcast is also sponsored by the Contour Next One blood glucose meter. You can learn more about Arden's blood glucose meter at contournext.com/juicebox. And today's podcast is also sponsored by U.S. Med. Get your diabetes supplies at usmed.com forward slash juice box or by calling 888-721-1514. Recording. Here we go. So we are recording now, so you know, and just give me any words. I can make sure you're on.
1: Okay. Good morning. Perfect. Or good afternoon. (laughs)
0: Yeah. Erica, you and I are doing something. Let's let people, I don't usually let people in on this. This is going to be an episode that gets recorded and posted in the same 12 hours. Ooh, that's exciting. Because today is May 30th, tomorrow, May 31st, the last day of Mental Health Awareness Month. That's right. Right. So we didn't do that on purpose, but hey, what the heck? Let's act act like we did and (laughs) and put this out. Uh, But I think people who listen know that I'm not the guy who's like, it's Father's Day, do Father's Day stuff, but this just worked out really well. And I I have a topic that I sent you. I forget how I asked you. I was like, is this a real thing? Like, like, you know, something that the doctors uh, believe in, because I think mom guilt's a real thing and I, and I want to talk about it and you were really open to the discussion. So I appreciate that very much.
1: Yes. Yes. And I think it is, it is a real thing. I think we could, we could open it even further to mom guilt, dad guilt, or, caregiver guilt um just because that's where we are in our you know day and age
0: yeah no i i think that too like I, I am interested if it's something that strikes females differently or harder but i don't know if that's something you can quantify or not and you know i mean i'm a i've been a stay-at-home dad forever um mm-hmm. you know i i think i I I quit my job a couple of months before my, like a month or two before my son was actually born in 2000. So this is my 22nd year of being a stay-at-home dad. I guess technically I'm more of a podcaster now, but that's not really the point. And um, I felt the pain, but I've been much more able to just not give over to it as much. Um. And, and I am I am wondering if that's person to person. You know, I'm endlessly fascinated with people's yes. mental health and why decisions get made or why things happen that aren't even decisions. So let me first ask you, um, do you think it, it, that there is some sort of physiological change that happens when you become a parent?
1: Mm, uh, y- yes, I, pro- I couldn't probably speak to the, all of the science <laughs> behind mm-hmm. it. Um, but I think just naturally... Um, your everything changes in terms of how you spend your day, your time, your focus, your priority. Um, And I think that happens for, you know, all genders. I think your, your initial question of, you know, is it are women or moms more prone to it? I would say probably due to gender stereotypes or gender role expectations um, stereotypically, moms may do better at that, <laughs> so to speak, yeah. you know, um, but I think it can definitely both, both moms and dads or any caregiver can experience this type of guilt
0: are, I know you, this is not your area of expertise, but do you think hormones have any impact on it for women?
1: Mm. I don't know. That's a great question. I don't know either. We'll, ha- we'll have to, yeah, yeah, dig into that one. <laughs> the only
0: thing I can tell you for sure is that that when uh, we had our son pretty young, um, I don't know how much I talk about this. Like My wife was, I think, 22 when we got married, mm-hmm. and I think that was in uh, 1996, and four years later, <laughs> look at me. I was like, oh, when was that? And four, <laughs> four years later in 2000, Cole was born. So we were married four years or so, but Kelly was still just like 26, And not that she wasn't always, Kelly's always sort of been like a hardworking, mature person. I don't know another way to put that. Um, But she really was, when I met her, a person who's like, I'm going to grow up. I'm going to go to college. I'm going to go to New York. I'm going to work. I'm going to have a white sofa. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I'm going to live by myself. And even when we were married in the first few years, I mean, that's pretty much how she was. And right now, uh, she's downstairs. And if you said anything bad to my children or about my children, uh, she'd get a bat and beat you to death with it. So I don't know (laughs) why why that, what happened to her. Um, but it happened, it felt pretty instant.
1: Mm -hmm. It really did.
0: It felt instant.
1: And I think that's, is that maternal paternal instinct taking over? Is that related to hormones? Maybe, I don't know. I can't speak to that specifically, but, um, I think it is just well, I think we're just talking about caregiving in general, just this natural protective um, instinctive response that we have when we have children, and regardless of however we have them, mm-hmm. you know whether it's biological adoptive all all the different ways yeah. um, that one can become a caregiver
0: so so yeah. you so you become i mean obviously listen, we're not saying anything that's hard to understand, but babies are helpless and they're yours. You feel a connection to mm-hmm. them, hopefully right away or at some point. I mean, I'm sure mm-hmm. there are some people who never connect with their kids. I've seen it happen. It's sad. But it, generally speaking, for the most part, you have this, this feeling of, I have to protect this thing. I have to make sure it's happy. I have to make sure it's safe. I have to make mm-hmm. sure it grows up well and has opportunities. And you have all these like crazy feelings. And And you could be in another situation, by the way. You could be in a... In a depressed situation financially, where your your focus is more about I have to get this kid food, I have to mm-hmm. find a way to give them clothes and shoes or whatever it ends up being, um, is the is it when you perceive a failure that the guilt hits?
1: You- well, yes, I, I would say when you perceive a failure, and I think it's important to differentiate between guilt and shame here because Mm -hmm. guilt is I, and, and Brene Brown, who I'm sure I'll mention more than once (laughs) on this podcast, she has a lot of books and Ted talks around this topic, around the difference between guilt and shame and guilt is more a response to the behavior. Like I, I did, I did something bad Mm -hmm. in terms of, you know, if we're talking about, you know, care, mom, dad, mom, guilt, I did something bad. I didn't do this. Well, I didn't spend enough time with my child. I, I didn't wasn't able to give them enough food. I wasn't able to um sign them up for all the activities I wanted to because of finances. That that is a response feeling badly or wishing things were different in response to behavior. That is the guilt feeling which often can be like productive in some cases because then if you're aware, you can make changes. Shame is when you're, when you, are when let us say you, you are feeling you are experiencing guilt because the quote, you did something bad. Shame is then I am bad. I am not a good enough mom. I'm not a good enough parent. I'm never, I'm a terrible person. And so that I think it's just important to kind of differentiate those two things um, before we move forward. Okay. Um, yeah. Can something,
0: an outside force take shame and make it into guilt for you or guilt, make it into shame for you. Um, I'm trying to, I'm trying to find a, 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 I wish I was smarter in this moment, Erica, but I'm trying to find it. I
1: I think, well, I think the easiest one would be um, social media or influence or even a family member. Let's say you're, I mean, the, the easiest kind of example that comes to mind because I am a working mother is, you know, you don't, you don't spend enough time with your children and you're feeling guilty about that because you're trying to find the, you know, the quote work-life balance, which is kind of a a funny saying in and of itself. But, and then, and then maybe you post something about that guilt on social media, trying to either be comforted or maybe to feel less lonely because it can be a very isolated and very common experience. I also think we need to normalize it. Most parents can feel guilt from time to time and that's normal and Mm -hmm. you're not alone in that. But let's say you're feeling that guilt and you're either talking about it with a family member or you're posting something about it on social media. And then you get either attacked or shamed, like you should be staying home more. why aren't you, or, you know, why are you working so much? Or really you should, you should cut down on those hours so you can be at your child's soccer games. Those types of comments can definitely... (laughs) Help you lead the shame, if if you are looking for that and susceptible to that type of feedback.
0: So you uh, mm-hmm. somebody could guilt you, somebody could shame you about something you feel guilt about.
1: Yes, and, yes, and then
0: you you could then transition, or I guess duplicate. You could probably split off and feel both things all of a sudden. Like you already felt guilty, now you're ashamed of it.
1: Absolutely, and then okay. you're in a kind of this shame spiral, um, and. The I think we I mean, we can get to you know how to help ourselves help yourself in that moment, but I think having that initial awareness of oh, I'm feeling guilty. This is a normal feeling as a parent. Mm-hmm. Um, and and then either reflecting back, okay, maybe I could find some ways to be, you know, at home more or more present when I am home, and maybe it's putting your phone down by the, the front door, whatever it may be. But then, when that you lead into shame, we're like, "Oh my gosh, I'm I'm such a bad parent because I was talking about this with my aunt and she made these comments, and I'm never going to be the parent that she was." Those those it's all kind of in that your narrative, your self talk, right, as to how far and how deep you can go into that shame. Mm. Um, but it can be influenced and exaggerated by outside forces, as you say. Why? Why?
0: Why? I don't know. It's a big question I'm about to ask with no answer, but let let me say it a different way. In your example, you go online, you make this statement, hey, this happened, I wish I could have done better. There are a number of people who will come in and support you. Right, people say it's okay. Cut yourself a break. You know what do I hear people say all the time? Uh, Give yourself some grace. Things like that. Mm-hmm. But then there's anger. People are either supportive or angry. Are the angry people just protecting themselves from feeling guilty about something that they're keeping under the surface? Like, why would you lash yeah. out at a person for saying, "I need help"? I don't understand that.
1: I well, yeah, without knowing. Their, their own individual psyche and experience and trauma, oftentimes kind of the, the, the quote bullying behavior online mm-hmm. could, could be stemming from one person's own shame. And they are trying to alleviate some of that or kind of discharge some of that, so to speak, onto the other person So I I get to shame you because that's the only way I know how to make myself feel better.
0: Yeah, sometimes Um, I see it as them protecting their own psyche, Mm. the attacker. And sometimes Mm -hmm. I see it as they believe it works for them. And they're trying to tell you, hey, look, just push through, push it down. Don't think about it. You'll be okay. Mm -hmm. I also Mm -hmm. want to say on a side note, if you ever write an article about your time with me, I think you should title it without knowing because it's the... (laughs) It's the phrase you use most when I ask you open ended questions that have no real answer. You, you go, well, without knowing the details. <laughs> because I never want to assume. I know. That's why I like you. Every time I hear you say that, I think Eric is the right person for, be- for being on the podcast. That's
1: so funny. I, I'm, I'm glad you pointed that out. Now I'll have to be extra aware of how often I use that. Oh, no.
0: You should keep saying it. it <laughs> keep it's, saying it. Okay. Yeah, it's, it's how I know I've reached a line. <laughs> I, I hear without knowing as, well, gee, Scott, why don't you ask another question that has 73 answers and just generalize the hell out of this whole thing? <laughs> <laughs> but but, I, but I'm just going by what I see most. I mean, I run a mm-hmm. really huge Facebook group. Mm-hmm. And I hate to say it, but at this point, I read people's posts and I think, oh, this is that one. They actually fit into categories. Mm-hmm. I could probably make a chart of about 20 things that people post online about and drop most people's posts into those categories. And mm-hmm. it, it, it happens, over, an example would be, if someone comes online to ask a question about getting some sort of an accessibility pass for a theme park, I can, in my sleep with my eyes closed, tell you exactly how that thread is going to go.
1: huh. <laughs> I know
0: exactly who will, um, I know that some people will give you good factual information about it. Some people will come in to support you, and they seem like they're just this is a great moment for them to feel like, oh, I got one of those passes one time. I'm glad I'm not a, like, I, I'm not a loser. You, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like, other people need this too. There mm-hmm. are angry people that come in to say that you're not disabled. I'm not disabled. Mm-hmm. I have type 1. To, I mean, I swear to you, mm-hmm. it mm-hmm. plays like a, it plays like a song that I've heard a thousand times, Um, but always different people.
1: Yes. Well, you know, it's so interesting because I in anticipation of our chat today i went onto your facebook page and searched for posts that had the word guilt in it and um happily i actually only, i mean i only did spent a few minutes looking at this but there were so many wonderful encouraging comments which you know decreases the isolation of the the poster's experience of guilt encouraging, sharing their moments of, you know, the, the, me too. I, I felt this way. Um, I, I did not come across any, you know, um, shaming posts, but I, I imagine they they, they might be out there. Um, so they, I know you're really good about regulating that what's as funny, well in, you in know, your page. What's yeah.
0: really funny, Eric, is that I put no effort into regulating my page.
1: Oh, okay. Yeah.
0: So where, where it comes from is that if it should happen, I don't just block somebody. I don't kick them out. I talk to them right there in front of everyone.
1: Mm -hmm. And
0: I say, and then you teach the group that here the expectation is you're going to be helpful to people. Yes. And if you're going to be sharp-tongued, it better be helpful, it better be purposeful, and it better not be in anger or just because you're out there trolling the internet trying to get into a fight with somebody. Mm -hmm. And you get this sort of, I don't, you know, I say this about diabetes, but I, I'm starting to get what I expect in my Facebook group because there's a core somewhere of initial listeners who wanted a Facebook group. People who said, hey, I w- we want a private place to go to talk about what we hear on the podcast. And there were enough people there that it built a community in, mm-hmm. the, in, the, uh, in the likeness of the vibe of the podcast. Mm-hmm. It's very, it's really wonderful. I can't take credit for it. to just happen. Um, but yeah, I don't, I don't know. I don't mess around. Like I don't, I I don't know. I don't feel weird about stuff like that. I mean, this stuff in general, there's something that happened in our life around diabetes recently that is so fresh. I'm not actually going to share it on the podcast yet, but it was an, it was a situation where I could have felt guilty Mm -hmm. and, um, something happened. I was the gatekeeper of a good or bad decision. I made a bad decision with g- probably good reasons. I'll explain it one day on the podcast. Um, I did it just, I did the wrong thing and it led to mm-hmm. a problem and everything that happened after that is my fault. It just was. Um, but mm-hmm. I was able to step back after the initial thing happened mm-hmm. and say to myself, I didn't give my kid diabetes. I, I'm not the one that made insulin work like this. I'm not the yeah. one that, that, that you know, like, I'm, I, I, none of this is me. I'm in a bad situation doing the best I can. I'm not a perfect person. I wasn't perfect today. Um, I did rebound quickly and pull it back together. Um, mm-hmm. But I never let myself feel guilty about it. And I was not ashamed of what I did. And I don't know why... I can do that and other people get run over by these things.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, probably just as we've talked about in other episodes, you're kind of how you're wired um, and your self-talk and your resilience. I, I did notice, like, as you mentioned, you know, you did not give, you did not create diabetes, you know, in in Arden. And there was nothing that you could or could not do to prevent her from getting it. And I did notice it was as I searched for, you know, guilt in in the Facebook group, um, that there, that was obviously the initial guilt that, that a caregiver might experience is this, what did I do? What did, what did I not do? How did my child get this type of guilt? Mm -hmm. Uh, And I think then you go through a type of a period of time where you learn and you have more education around diabetes, psychoeducation around kind of what what can you manage? What can you not manage? Mm -hmm. Um, And then I think where you were going also is this idea of, you know, perfection, this expectation of perfection that we are human and we are going to make mistakes. Uh, You know, we're talking about in general, you know, care, mom guilt, but then with this diabetes aspect, you know, you cannot expect perfection because then that leads to the guilt and all, you know, all of the feelings around shame. And then you can also, you don't want to pass that on either to your child because you're trying to model that. So you have that pressure as well.
0: g Hypopen has no visible needle and is a premixed auto-injector of glucagon for treatment of very low blood sugar in adults and kids with diabetes ages two and above find out more, go to gvoglucagon.com forward slash juice box. GVOG shouldn't be used in patients with insulinoma or pheochromocytoma. Visit gvoglucagon.com slash risk. You never know when you're going to need your blood glucose meter. Many of you may have CGMs and many of you may not. But a staple of living with insulin is having an accurate, reliable blood glucose meter. And the Contour Next one is that meter. Head over to Contournext.com forward slash juice box right now to learn about the meter that my daughter carries. It is, I'll give it to you in a nutshell. It's small, but not so small that you can't hold it. The screen is bright and easy to read. The light for nighttime viewing of your blood drop is super bright. The test strips offer second chance testing. So if you kind of hit the blood or half hit it and don't get quite enough, you're able to go back and get the rest without diminishing the accuracy of the test or wasting the strip. This is incredibly important. If you want, you can pair the meter to an app on your iPhone or Android to give you even more of an insight about your diabetes. Contournext.com forward slash Head over there now, get started with what is just the best meter experience I've ever had. While being the parent of someone with type one, there are links in the show notes or links at juiceboxpodcast.com to Gevo Kypo Pen, the Contour Next One Blood Glucose Meter, and US Med, the place where I just got Arden's OmniPod 5 from. USmed.com forward slash juicebox or call 888 721 1514. You do that. You go to the link or you call the number. You want to ask about a free benefits check. Find out if US Med can help you get your diabetes supplies. And I hope they can, because you're going to love it. An A-plus rating with the Better Business Bureau. They accept Medicare nationwide. They accept over 800 private healthcare insurances. They carry everything from blood glucose meters to insulin pumps, diabetes testing supplies, CGMs, the whole kit and caboodle. They got it over there at US Med. You want to go to the place who served 1 million people with diabetes since 1996 and always provides 90 days worth of supplies, and those supplies get to you fast and free, that's fast and free shipping, you want US Med, usmed.com forward slash juicebox. 888-721-1514. There are links in the show notes of your podcast player or links at juiceboxpodcast.com to all of these sponsors and the ones you haven't even heard about today. You Need a link for Dexcom or Omnipod? Same place. They're all right there. I make it nice and easy for you to support the podcast and to help yourself by getting great technology, supplies, and services that will make your life with type 1 diabetes or type 2 diabetes just a little bit easier. We're going to get back to Erica now. Just remember when you support the sponsors, you're supporting the show and that I really appreciate it. Thank you so much. Links at juiceboxpodcast.com, links in the show notes of your podcast player, or go to Gvoke glucagon.com forward slash juice box usmed.com forward slash juice box and contournext.com forward slash juice box you know i just saw somebody the other day, had a, an illness, probably lifelong, that they were unaware of. And now it's caused a, a real problem for them. And what struck me about it was that for decades, they didn't know this thing was happening. So they couldn't feel guilty about it while it was happening. They couldn't feel pressure about it. But with diabetes, you immediately are made aware that less than perfect blood sugars are going to lead at some point to some sort of a deficit somewhere. Like Mm -hmm. you're not, you know what I mean? Like diabetes is one of those things that most of us are not getting out of unscathed Mm -hmm. somehow. And on top of that, you might be one of the lucky ones who have multiple autoimmune issues. Um, you know, and I think when people are first diagnosed, there's this feeling that if I just do this perfectly, yes, it's going to be a pain and we're going to have to do insulin and we're going to have to be careful and etc. But the outcome for my kid or for me is going to be exactly the same as if I never had diabetes. And I just don't think that that's a realistic goal. I think you can can and will mitigate things. And I think that it's very possible for, especially with today's technology, for people to live pretty free of complications. But it's going to happen to somebody. And it's not your fault. Do you know what I mean? Like, not everybody's prepared to do this thing the same way, but everybody gets the guilt. It doesn't matter how well they're doing. I I swear to you, Erica, most of the emails I get are from people with six A1Cs who are killing themselves that it's not a 5-4. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's never from somebody who has a nine that wants a
1: six. Right, right. Right. So, and so what, yeah, then what is their expectation, the amount of pressure they're putting on themselves? Is, is that realistic? Are they experiencing lack of sleep, stress? How are their, you know, how are their general, what's the general functioning? Um, right. And maybe they can do all that and they're succeeding in life. Um, but that just feels like a lot of hard work. And,
0: and is it really, I mean, isn't it obvious that when you put so much effort into one thing, there's not enough time or bandwidth to put that effort into other places?
1: Yes. Yeah, yes. Right. I mean, I think, well, and I think they're also just to be mindful of, you know, the seasons of living with type one um, there, I think the way you respond and feel like you need to do all the things that you should and could be doing to control it as, as the caregiver for your child, um, It, I think it ebbs and flows. And so I think just being mindful of that too, the post-diagnosis, you know, trauma. And then there's the transitions and, and your child going through puberty and then off to high school, off to college. Um I think there are different seasons too where maybe as a caregiver you experience higher levels of guilt and and pressure as there's each a new kind of a new chapter unfolds yeah. um with the with the care.
0: So how do how do you is there a way to give the guilt away? Can you get rid of it? Or are some people just well, you know what? I'm going to ask a different question and then okay. I'll ask about getting rid of the guilt. Do some people le- lean into it? Is that like a martyr complex? Hmm. Or th- are those things not connected?
1: <clears throat> <clears throat> I, that's a good question. I, I feel like if you're leaning into the guilt, I think there, there's, a, there's a healthy level, right, to responding to that guilt because – if you are doing something quote bad or wrong, or you're making a mistake, and you're feeling that that gut feeling of of guilt, mm-hmm. I think it's a healthy response to be aware of that and check it and say, okay, well maybe we could have corrected this way this time, um, and I'm going to do that, and then I'm going to move forward and and not kind of sit and swim in that guilt because then then you're then you're flirting with all the shame. Um, I think if you're, if you're leaning into it over and over, I would, I would be curious as to what, what are you getting out of that type of behavior? What's the function? Right. Are you getting, are you getting the love that you're like you want or attention from family members? Are you posting frequently um, about your guilt on social media and you're needing that connection? Um, I think that's all really normal now and again, um, but I think just having that awareness piece of why are you leaning into that? What are you getting out of that? And how? And is that healthy? Could it be? Uh, mm-hmm.
0: Could it be learned or generational? Um, what do I mean? Uh, you, you, I'll use myself as yes. an example. Yes, right? <laughs> it can, right? Because, like, like for instance, like you know, I I grew up in a blue collar household. Expectations were you'd have a blue collar job. I never once thought I wouldn't. I I never once thought I wouldn't. I ended up working in a sheet metal shop. I did a laborer's job like my father did. My mom was a cashier, you know what I mean, in a place. Mm -hmm. She didn't have a very high-level position. I was doing what I was expected to do. And not that there's anything wrong with those jobs, and I really don't mean that, but I didn't fit there. But yet, that's right where I went. I got what I expected. And it it wasn't until the... I mean, maybe it was guilt. Maybe I felt badly for doing something I knew I shouldn't be doing. I don't know. But I realized one day, I was like, I I have to go, I think there's more for me. Or something different even, not even more. Like, I just don't think I fit here. And I'm gonna go find out where I fit. Um, Mm -hmm. And I was able to get to that. But there are plenty of other people Who get put into situations over and over again, generationally. You see generational wealth discrepancies, health Mm -hmm. discrepancies, right? People just get caught in a loop. And if you grew up with a mom who guilted you, and she grew up with a mom that guilted you, is there any way that you're not going to guilt yourself once something like this happens?
1: Right. Yes, there is a way. I think the the pattern is certainly can be learned, and you're it's being modeled for you, and that's how you see if you're seeing your parent respond to that kind of psychological discomfort, and and she's and you, you know he or she's verbalizing out loud how how bad she is, and she's never going to do be good enough. Um, you were, that is probably you might replicate that type of behavior when you feel like you've done something wrong. And uh, of course that can be corrected by I know I go back the first step is just having that awareness. I'm like, Oh my gosh, this is, this is what I do when I feel like I do something wrong. Mm-hmm. I feel badly. And then I shame myself and I want to stop that. Um, and so the, the self-awareness piece is, is huge. Um, and And being open to that, if people are reflecting that to you. Yeah.
0: Uh, You know, your point about the modeling things, I have two younger brothers. One is five years younger than me. One is 10 years younger than me. The one who's five years younger has a job that's more blue collar and labor like. And that's the kind of job I had when he went out into the world as an adult. And I was basically a father figure. By the time my youngest brother went out into the world, I had a more white collar job and he has a a more white collar job. Mm. And I wonder, excuse me, I bang to the microphone which is not something i normally do um i um i sometimes wonder if it wasn't that idea like oh i there's here are the other options that exist i'll go follow one of those um sometimes just knowing that it's possible which is why i like doing an episode like this i like people being able to hear that it's actually possible for you not to feel this way and for you not to you know keep the cycle going you know and it's a kind of like a trite thing to say at this point, it's been Mm -hmm. overused and overused, but you can be the one who stops it. And I think if you're the parent of someone with type one or, you know, somebody with another issue, there could possibly be no more important time to stop it because you were just guilted and your pancreas worked. You know what I mean? Mm. Like your, your kid, if you pass this on to your kid, there are going to be other issues. And they're going to be, they're going to be a lot more serious than just how you feel in your head, I think.
1: And yes. And I think, you know, as as a caregiver of of a child with type one, I think to expect that it, it will happen, you will make mistakes and you will probably feel guilty about it. And that's okay too, that it's not, um, this abnormal wrong response. And so when you are experiencing that to say, oh, okay, this is normal. I'm not alone. Um, and I'm going to I'm going to learn and I'm going to kind of course correct or gather more data to figure out how to how to whatever it is, do do it differently next time. Um, and then and then the thoughts end there. Um, and, and I think being aware also, if you're susceptible to the outside influences, maybe it's not appropriate to go post about that. Or to um, unless unless you feel like you it's a safer, smaller, or you or you're, you know that it's going to be a safer response. Mm-hmm. I think just being aware of who are you going to go tell and talk to um, about that feeling of guilt, to being aware of that. Yeah, if you're susceptible to the influences, yeah.
0: Okay, I want to. Before we move on, I just want to be clear that the episode is going to be called "Mom Guilt" because I think it's what people think of but Mm -hmm. i I don't believe it's gender specific i think dads feel just as guilty that if you grew up with your grandmother and she was your custodian she feels just as guilty you know he she i don't think he she i don't think it matters honestly
1: yeah and i i i yeah, I think as we mentioned in the beginning, it, yeah. it, it doesn't matter. We all, as human beings, experience it. I probably use she because I'm a she. I go. I <laughs> so no, no. I, I, I just referred to that. Yeah, I just want to make because I,
0: you know, I know I'm thinking about it as we're getting ready to move into kind of the second half of the recording, and I'm, and I'm just thinking. I want to. I want to be really clear. I think there. Mm-hmm. I have. You know, there are things that I feel guilty about. I process it differently, though and mm-hmm. and i get a I, I don't know if i if i'm if i'm actually giving it away and just getting rid of it out into the ether or if i hide it differently or if it comes out differently like i have no idea i think the most fascinating thing about us is we really don't know why we're doing what we're doing like everybody feels like and i think that's why it's weird to talk about fixing these things or making them better because all these things happen so kind of invisibly and mm-hmm. then suddenly something in your life triggers you into thinking, wow, I have to not do this. And then now all of a sudden you're trying to consciously stop a thing that kind of subconsciously happened. And yeah. it, those seem like two worlds that don't overlap for some reason to me.
1: Right. And it, yeah, it is such an internal process that happens so quickly. I think before you know it, you could be in a living and breathing Shame, which could then it can affect your, you know, overall mental health. Um, if left unchecked, it can you know prevent you from connecting with your children or other family members or friends. Um, and and so I think that's I I I appreciate you know that we're focusing on this too because it is it's just so common and so normal. Mm -hmm. I think,
0: I think too, you can see people sometimes. In in, in an attempt to get rid of their guilt or shame, they just go the opposite way too far to like apathy, and they just Mm -hmm. decide they don't care about anything, and the way that I won't feel badly about it is if I don't care about it. Yes. And that's just probably more dangerous, because you've said a number of times, guilt's actually kind of valuable. Mm -hmm. It really is. I don't even know if, listen, I don't even know if there's not a function for shame sometimes. You you know what I'm saying? Like, they're like, I mean, if you're deep enough in a hole, I don't know how you get out of it. Like, do you sometimes need someone to look at you and go, hey, you got to pull it together? Like, you know, like, Mm -hmm. I don't know. I have no idea. Maybe it works for some people. It doesn't work for other people. You know, you hear people say um, that they feel shamed about their bodies, but then other people will tell you I was uh, in poor health until a friend of mine came along and pushed me in a way that I don't think society would have been comfortable with. But here I am and I'm better. So I don't, mm-hmm. I don't know what the hell the answer is. I have no idea. I just think that if you're hearing this and you felt this guilt, especially around diabetes, it's just very important to, I would think, to say out loud or write down on a piece of paper or share with a friend that this is not my fault. I didn't do this. I didn't make mm-hmm. diabetes. It's not my fault. My kid has it. Um, just because I have, I don't know, a thyroid problem doesn't mean I gave it to my kids That's Mm -hmm. genetics. (laughs) You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like, I've never once—I've never once heard somebody say, "Oh, it's my fault they have blonde hair." Yeah,
1: yeah, (laughs) yeah. yeah. Right?
0: (laughs) But but your kid gets diabetes, and all of a sudden, oh, my mom, my grandmother has uh, celiac. This is my fault.
1: Mm -hmm. You
0: know, that's Mm -hmm. just silly. So, but it's how people feel.
1: Well, yeah, because I think going back to our, you know, your instinctive protective feelings. We, as a parent, you feel like you you should do all the things that you can do to protect your child from experiencing pain. Mm -hmm. And with a a chronic illness diagnosis, you, you, you feel like, what did I not do to protect them? How did I how could I prevent this? And then, and then you, maybe you realize you go through the process of acceptance, like, okay, I've, I accept that I was not able to, I didn't control this (laughs) um, diagnosis. And then maybe if you're kind of, if you lean towards those thoughts and feelings, okay, well, now I need to do everything I can to prevent them from having any complications. Um, And you're driven by that fear, Mm -hmm. which then drives all of your actions and and responses.
0: So if if you have a kid and uh, the kid can't hit a baseball, you don't feel guilty that the can't the kid can't hit a baseball. You take him out. You buy him a tee. You try to teach him how to swing. It all feels like <laughs> it's accomplishable. Maybe with diabetes, the guilt comes because you know at the end of this path, you you are not going to find a magic wand to get rid of diabetes. I mm-hmm. wonder. I wonder if guilt doesn't push the philanthropy around diabetes even, like that mm. feeling of like I can't cure this. Let me try to help the bigger picture because that's it's really interesting. Everything that comes up in your life, if you're reasonably healthy, you I think you will believe you can overcome it, or that there may be a path out of it, and that you know not giving up might be the answer. Um, but yeah, but there's nothing about a disease that gives you that feeling.
1: Well, and I think, yeah, the interesting, like, does guilt drive the philanthropy? I'm going to do all that I can to protect my child. Right. I would say yes, and, and with that is the fear, right? Like the fear of wanting to protect your child even further from further pain mm-hmm. um and I think what you were saying earlier you know the odds are good that your child's going to be okay if you're doing all the things as best to your ability you know um and the fear can be driving those the the guilt as well along along with you know this I'm I do I'm do all I can as best I can and then also to prevent the guilt, I'm going to practice some self-compassion right. and be kind to myself when I, when I, we, you know, we were too, we over or corrected too strongly. And we're going to learn from that. I wonder, there
0: are times when I wonder if my ability to let it go, if that's not actually, I don't know what the word would be, like some sort of a defense mechanism, or if it's not like an overabundance of self-confidence that maybe I don't even deserve, you know, or whatever. You know what I mean? Like like that uh-huh. idea of like I couldn't have done anything about this. Mm, it's not my fault. And that and that, you know, because you can look at that a different way. Like I do listen, I do believe that I examined that situation
1: and yes. a number
0: of them before. And I said, okay, this is what happened. Happened here, here, here. Here's my mistake. You know, okay, mm-hmm. uh, then this happened and then here's where I pulled my back together again and i and i got back on course and then uh it's how we fixed this so mm-hmm. a, as much as i might have been and the fault and i'm using quotes around fault is just that there were too many variables and and i was distracted on top of that mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. and so i just didn't there were just i again i'll be able to talk about it at some point uh but Um, Mm. there was there were too many things going on it it got beyond my ability and Mm -hmm. I did not know that was happening Mm -hmm. and as soon as it became a dire focused situation again and I was able to shut out surrounding you know variables Mm -hmm. I, I was back to the person I needed to be in that situation and blah 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 and we're good so um but isn't that life though
1: yes you know
0: you know, things are happening constantly and how do you give your full attention to something? And, and isn't it easy for, I don't know. Like, I mean, there's, there's such a randomness to think. Mm
1: -hmm. Well, I think also like perhaps you get comfortable in, in the management. Um, And while I'm, I'm not a caregiver to a child with type one, I am a parent. And I think just aside from the, the caregiver guilt with diabetes, you're making, maybe making decisions and you're kind of going through the motions of the evening and then, oops, you let your child do something you didn't wouldn't normally have them do. And right. then you feel like, oh, I shouldn't have done that. Or I shouldn't have said that. Um, and then you kind of check yourself and say, oh, okay, I was not focused. Or as you said, there were all these other kind of variables and you were tired, maybe you're planning something. Um, and and I get like the, the caregiver fear or the guilt around wow, we, I bolus too much. And now my child is low and I'm fearful that are they going to have a seizure in a result of something that I did, I gave them X amount of units. I mean, that is, that is real fear. And, and I get that that can be real guilt. Um, And just in those moments to just try to, you know, as, as you're being aware of like, oh yes, I do feel that, that guilt um and i and i've i've seen y'all post about it too and then and then the next step <clears throat> is gosh i re- i made a mistake and that was really scary my child's okay thankfully and i'm going to move forward and i'm going to be kind to myself and then i get to practice i get to model that for my child too to say wow we made a you know right we overbullished and then we made a mistake and Ugh, that it's, was scary, life but we're, is like, we're okay. I hate mm-hmm. to
0: say, li- life is like the, the you know the spinning plates trick on at, at a stage mm-hmm. show. Like mm-hmm. you mm-hmm. put a stick up, you get a, a plate spinning on it, and then they run over and they grab another stick and they stand up and they get another plate spinning and they get as many spinning plates as they can. And yes. then they basically are running back and forth from plate to plate, keeping them spinning so they don't fall off. I almost think of that as like autopilot sometimes. Like you were talking about, like even with regular parenting, like mm-hmm. sometimes just you, something's going well. And so you take your attention away from it. But you know, one day, right? Like the plate, you're not going to make it back to that plate. And then you, it's going to crash down. You're going to have to start over again. We used to have this uh, joke we told about my youngest brother. We used to say, Rob is either uh, in trouble or getting in trouble and you haven't found out about it yet. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he, he had two states of trouble. It was happening uh-huh. currently or uh-huh. it, or he was putting it into motion. <laughs> and so, yes. um, and, and, I, and that that's just sort of you've got all those plates spinning and while you're spinning the one it's hard not to stand there and think the third plate from the right needs attention mm-hmm. and the, and and I can't do all of this. And I, and I do think that being, um, being a good parent is going to constantly put you in that feeling.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Right. And so the, the real truth is I think you have to be able to stand there and reconcile with yourself one of these plates is going to fall. My job isn't to keep them all spinning. My job is to keep as many of them as possible from falling. And Mm. maybe we'll get lucky and the ones that crash down aren't the real expensive ones. And, right? right? But but there's no, I don't know. I think that there's comfort in knowing that there's no perfection. Yes. That's all. I mean, that's what I'm comforted by.
1: Yeah, there's, yeah, you you cannot expect perfection in yourself as a parent as a person living with type one that obviously then leads to all the you know the distress and the shame Um, and i think just it happens even you know myself with type one i'll be trying to juggle multiple things and i'll mindlessly bolus and realize oh my goodness or i'll bolus twice sometimes Because I have forgotten and there's so many things going on. I say, oh, well, now I get, I'm going to correct for that. And I'm not going to do, I'm going to be more mindful next time. Um, You know, it happens. You
0: know, people do that thing where uh, they, uh, you know, their MDI and the end of the night, it's time for them to give themselves 10, 15, 20 units of, uh, of basal insulin. And they just grab their fast acting insulin instead and put it in. I see a post about that monthly.
1: You know, I will, sh- I, hopefully he's okay with my brother <laughs> who also has type one. He, he was at home with his children while his, his wife was away for the weekend. And he was, you know, he's a, he's a very hands-on dad, but I think this contributed. He was you know, managing all the bedtime routine. He gave himself his, um, he wears a Dexcom, but does um, MDI and he gave himself his, his, you know, whatever, 10 units of Lantis, and then did it again an hour later had mm-hmm. forgotten because he just, you know, juggling. And then he was, you know, poor thing was up eating all night long. Um, yeah. but it happened, it happens. And, and then you get to, you, you, you probably feel badly and you say, "Well, I made a mistake and I'm going to, I'm going to practice being more a little bit more mindful next time. And yeah. that's okay.
0: I, I think my point about all this is, it's just that most days it's going to be, Oh, hold on. <clears throat> mm-hmm. <clears throat> None of this is going to matter if I die while I'm making the podcast. <laughs> no, um,
1: You're going to make it? Am, yeah, uh, am I okay. going to I don't know. <laughs> Maybe. <clears throat>
0: I ran out of hot... Hold on a second. Let me have a drink. I think my point is that... <clears throat> whether it's life or diabetes or anything in between, it's all not going to go right. And you doing emotional damage to yourself when you don't need to, because something that was never going to be perfect anyway, isn't perfect. You really are doing yourself and your family and the people around you a disservice. Now you might not be doing it on purpose, but you can, Mm -hmm. you can recognize it on purpose and try to help yourself on purpose. Um, I'm not saying you're ever going to get rid of it completely, but big stuff, right? Like chopping It's almost like diabetes, like chopping out the lows and the highs And trying to find less variability, whether it's in your mental health, your day-to-day life, or type 1 diabetes, that's really what's most important. You're not trying to live with a blood sugar of 85 forever. Your blood sugar may get low, it may get high. The key is to recognize it before it gets out of whack and bring it back again. So if you've listened to the podcast, that's how I talk about diabetes. And if you're Mm -hmm. really paying attention to the podcast, you know that I talk about diabetes the way I think about being alive.
1: Mm -hmm. And
0: so... I mean, I'm not the end all be all on anything, but I think you just shave off the highs, shave off the lows, try to stay in the middle as much as you can. And that's well done. You you know?
1: Yes. And, and no, and then, you know, learning how to to course correct. I I think, you know, when you think about it in the mental health perspective, the, the term, you know, being mentally, um, having mental health fitness, that doesn't mean that you're going to be happy all the time. It means or having a straight line <laughs> all right, the time. Right. It means it means okay, you recognize when you're feeling low or when that you know the feelings are kind of becoming consuming and then knowing how to course correct. Does it mean going out, talking to a friend, exercising, reaching out for help from a, a mental health professional? doing some yoga and mindfulness accepting those challenging thoughts it's you know understanding how to get back to as you say you know in the middle less highs less lows I think the same thing can be applied to being you know having that mental health fitness and it takes practice
0: yeah it really does it it I, I really I I shudder to think that I was gonna say it's about the journey not the destination but <laughs> but it really is it is it, it is it and, is I mean and you know my kid asked me the other day like what's the key to life? Like what's the most important things in life? And I answered differently than I would have answered 10 years ago. And maybe differently than I would have answered 20 years before that. And I just said, it's health. It's It's Mm -hmm. it's achieving the best level of health that you can. I was like, everything else is secondary. People Mm -hmm. who are healthy and don't have, well, we're all dying. Right. But people who don't, (laughs) people who don't have day to day knowledge of the deterioration of their body, those people have. I mean, I'd pay for that. You know what I mean? Like, I'm, mm-hmm, I'm not even saying mm-hmm. that they're just—they're super healthy, and I'm not, or my daughter's not, or etc. I'm just saying that they're not aware of their mortality constantly. And I—if uh, I—if um, that's a gift, I would love to give somebody. You know, mm-hmm. like because it's all going to end, you know, reasonably the same for everybody. Uh, but knowing yeah. it's happening as it's happening sucks. Um, And then that makes every decision, every mistake, it just feels so much bigger because you know you know the outcome suddenly, right? Like you Mm -hmm. you have you have you have cause and effect that's been laid out in front of you by a doctor, by your experiences. If I do this, if I don't use enough insulin, my blood sugar is going to get high, and my body is going to deteriorate quickly. If I use too much insulin, my blood sugar is going to get low. I might have a seizure. I might die. Um, mm-hmm. You know, when a person has a beer at a bar, they don't think about their liver. You, you know what I mean? Right, like right. Like, like right when you smoke a cigarette at a club, but you're not really a smoker, you don't think, oh, I probably just lost three minutes of my life. You, you know, it's, mm-hmm. you don't you don't have to have those thoughts, and therefore you don't get the guilt from it. I think, mm-hmm. I don't know, I could be, you know, Erica, these conversations are basically about me being wrong and you telling me I'm wrong. <laughs> well, I,
1: I'm still just impressed that one of your children asked, you know, what's what's the key to life? Um. <laughs>
0: well, I, well, I think he thought it was money, by the way. Oh. <laughs> so, <laughs> but he's just, just fresh from college, a couple days from oh, his okay. graduation, and he's sitting around trying to figure out what to do next. Yes. You, you know, and he's like, well, what's the most important thing? What, what's the thing I should be focused on? And he said like it's money and I was like yeah, it's not it's health. it's mm-hmm. it's health and security and the access to clean good food like like it's that's what it's about. It's about love and and connections and you know caring about somebody more than you care about yourself. Um, like I think that's what's like that's what I think life's about. Um, yes you know? and
1: and being kind to yourself in the process as you navigate all of that
0: yeah, right right not doing the martyr thing. Which, mm-hmm. which came up earlier and we never really talked about it, but happens constantly. I see, listen, I hate to say it, I see people online constantly doing that. Mm-hmm. just like, everything's going wrong, but I'm trying so hard. This would all fall apart without me. Like like that whole thing, you guys uh-huh. don't understand. Like that's, I don't know, I'm sure that's a completely different topic, but it, it's common. I, I see it done commonly.
1: Yeah, well, and I think, yeah, that is kind of going into, is that a component, a part of, you know, the diabetes distress feeling powerless in the process of, of the management, whether you're the caregiver or the person Mm -hmm. with type one, is it, um, are you, are you getting a lot of attention as a result of that? And is that meeting an an unmet need that you're getting elsewhere? Um, I think there are probably many different ways is, you know, is it learned, is it you're not aware. There's no self-awareness of how often you're feeling that guilt and posting or talking about it. It
0: looks like a coping mechanism to me. It looks mm-hmm. like somebody saying, I can't affect the outcome. And knowing that is making me crazy. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to mm-hmm. pretend that we're doing everything right. So it's almost like it's like what did those people do? They played music on the deck of the Titanic while it was sinking. Like that's uh-huh. what it, that's what it feels like to me. It's like, all right, look, this boat's going to sink. I don't want to think about it till my ass hits the water. So mm-hmm. I'm going to project this confidence, and I find it. I'm going to be honest with you. I see people do it in the in the in the space.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I, I don't think it's. I think it's not just not valuable. I think it's, it's detrimental. Mm-hmm. You know, I would it, for me. I'd rather. I'd rather face something head on, do my best to, to defeat it. If it kills me, it kills me. But I'm not going to shut my eyes and hope it doesn't get me. You know what I mean?
1: Mm-hmm. So, Yeah. So it is, as you said, you know, is it a coping mechanism in terms of trying to avoid? Is it a- avoiding kind of the the fear or is it avoiding um, the truth of whatever other emotion? And yeah. so it just feels easier over time to kind of put your hands in the air defeatist powerless those are all you know that can all be associated with just having type 1 or diabetes too so i think it's tricky to to specifically categorize it but probably all those things right
0: oh i think in some way or another we've mentioned pretty much every reaction (laughs) to diabetes that i've seen other people have
1: yes you know
0: it's either the i can do it or let's pretend it's going to be okay. Or this is a shit show, and I give up. And let's light, the whole thing on, <laughs> yeah. let's light the whole thing on fire and see how long. I'll tell you what, you know, going back twenty years, and you know this—you've had diabetes for three decades or more. Um, yes. Before all this technology and the good insulin and the glucose monitors, this was basically live fast, die young, leave a good-looking corpse. Like a lot of people took that perspective with diabetes.
1: Yeah, it yeah. was you know two or three injections a day, if that. Prick your finger three to four times and hope for the best. That yeah. was 32, it'll be 32 years this summer.
0: Right, <laughs> but but there are people who, I, listen, I've interviewed a number of them. They were just like, mm-hmm. I knew this wasn't gonna be, I was gonna be dead. That's what I thought. So I lived mm-hmm. like that. And there, was, oh, okay. and there were no real tools to do anything with. Then mm-hmm. they somehow lived long enough for the tools to get better and then it slowed their progression down, and now they live with a lot of complications. I think that this right here, in in this time period, might be the last generation of type 1s who started in a different management time and ended in a more advanced one. Like, I think, you, yes. know, you know what I mean? Going forward, everyone's going to start, hopefully, you know, I don't want to curse, but insurance and, you know, you know, the, having access aside people who have access should not experience those outcomes with as much frequency. Um, I, I think. Yes.
1: And I, I recently just saw some stats on that. I'm not going to repeat them because I don't want to say it incorrectly, but the percentage of complications from people who were diagnosed um, I think it was 30 to 40 years ago versus like in the last 10 years, mm-hmm. the percentage has, it has decreased so significantly. It was very encouraging to yeah. see. And so maybe not, I'll, I'll find those stats. So next time I can report that because it was, it was pretty amazing. And I think as a lot of people do say, well, you never want to be diagnosed uh, with diabetes. Uh, you know, now is a good time, this, yeah. you know, age and era of of technology and community really those are two significant factors
0: for physical and mental health
1: yeah exactly yeah
0: i can't i can't tell you yeah. how much i believe in it and the the community side of it and it's the truth mm-hmm. be told like it's it's not something that i even thought about in the beginning like i just the, the, I, the
1: community aspect of yeah, this and the value uh-huh. i see for people with it yes it's, even
0: even you've heard me say before like i thought of the podcast as like a management podcast and mm-hmm. a great many people that listen to it think of it as a community. And, and oh yeah, I know, mean
1: it, the, the the Facebook page is definitely evidence of that. Yeah, um, I, mm-hmm. I want to say it's pretty th- incredible. Well,
0: yeah, I, I agree. I think it is. It's um, it's the right place. I you know, right thing at the right time really worked mm-hmm. out. Um, so listen, if I was going to be like a coach at the end and yell rah 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 and like go get them <laughs> boys and everything like that, what I would uh-huh. tell you is. <laughs> Whether you're being shamed by somebody or you're feeling guilt, it's taking up your time. It's taking up your compute cycles. It's probably making you feel terrible. Turn it into action. Like, don't waste that time on something that's got no end if you can help it. And if you can't help it, go find somebody that can help you. Like, you might need mental health tools. Maybe you don't have them. Like, maybe you get from the podcast, you know, bolusing tools and Mm -hmm. that, but what we were just talking about, about the the possibility of being healthy for a lifetime with diabetes, like, focus on that. Like, if you want to make yourself crazy about something, make yourself crazy about that, not about, woe is me, mm-hmm. this, this is all over, here we go. Like, you, you know what I mean? Like, it's just, this isn't what I wanted. It's not what I expected. Like, you got to get past that part. Like, something else was going to happen. Like, life's never what you expect. I mean, uh, Erica, is your life the way you expected it was going to be?
1: <laughs> no, it's not. I know, I know you. I know you've said before too. Like you know, you don't have a child expect expecting that they're going to be diagnosed with something or have a major challenge. You know, you no, give giving, birth to a child and I hope that everything will be perfect. Yeah,
0: you give birth to the center fielder <laughs> for the Yankees, like right now. Yeah. Like it's this, this little girl's going to dance <laughs> on a. You know, problem, everybody's going to be brilliant and every. You know, mm-hmm. eh, so it didn't work out quite like that. No reason to give up. You're still here. You're still here. This is your shot. You know what I mean? Like that's right. I don't know. I say swim.
1: There's a season for for any for all of it, and to kind of understand that that's there are seasons. And I hear you say like try and push through that and move forward and get the help that you need.
0: Yeah. No. Whatever. When you're feeling
1: stuck. When you're feeling stuck in that.
0: Whatever it is, because that Mm -hmm. that stuck feeling that like. I mean, it's just it's it's the devil, right? Like, I mean, mm-hmm. you you get into this place where you're just like it's comfortable. You see it with eating sometimes. Like, people start off, you know, uh, get into a poor eating cycle, and then they just they lean into it. It's comfortable, right? The carbs mm-hmm. get a hold of you. You're like, oh, sugar, fat, I love this. You, you, you know <laughs> right. what I mean? Like, and you just you're like, oh, I'm, I'm gaining weight. I don't feel as well. Whatever. You can't. It's uh, You almost can't even make yourself care. It's 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 um it's intoxicating. You know. yeah
1: shame, shame is it can be really cruel and nasty like that yeah so when, is there, you, when you're attuned to it. <laughs>
0: so if someone comes to you and and exhibits these either shame or guilt around mm-hmm. diabetes
1: mm-hmm.
0: What, where do you lead them first? Like give them an idea mm-hmm. of what would happen if they reached out to a, to mm-hmm. a mental health professional.
1: I Well I first would applaud them and commend them for reaching out because it's often the hardest thing to do because you've you've recognized that you need help and it can be scary to take that first step. So we would I would you know commend them on that, taking that first bold step. And then we would spend time practicing that self-awareness around how frequently are you feeling those those thoughts of of real, of probably shame at that point. Um, what are the triggers? Are there are they is it around a specific issue? Um, is it global? <laughs> Shame you're not a good enough parent, you're not a good enough coworker, you're not a good enough spouse. You know, sometimes it is can be specific um in all of the roles that you play in life. It could also be global. So we could spend some time kind of recognizing that. And then maybe moving into some mindful of accepting that there will be moments, kind of all the things that we've talked about, um, there will be moments where I feel guilty and not placing judgment around that, acknowledging it, accepting some of those thoughts and feelings, and then moving into more healing and kind of corrective work around the changing your thoughts yeah. um, and, 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 and getting the support that you need. I think because shame does lead to isolation and it likes to keep you there. Um, and so by stepping out, getting help with a mental health professional, stepping out into being more open about it with your family and friends and um, just feeling less isolated in that is one of the best tools as well, that you're not alone in in the in that space.
0: I would think that it, it's probably important to recognize that, you know, guilt and shame are not, they're not things that they're not things that you get when something goes wrong. Everybody has them. It, you know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like, I get, it, to, to sit here and think, oh, I do feel very guilty, or, you know, about my kid getting diabetes, or I am ashamed of how I manage their blood sugar, that kind of thing. If you think you feel that and other people don't, that's not the case. I, right. I, I would think that, I mean, I'm guessing here, but I, I don't think you could find one in a thousand people who don't feel guilt or shame. and so it's not about trying to avoid it it's mm-hmm. a, it's about living with it like you even said before like you can use the guilt the guilt can be a motivator mm-hmm. um and how much of it is even shame like how much of it is the way you take it in versus how it comes at you is that is that controllable
1: i think the way you so how much can be the way you take it in versus how what was the second part like
0: The way you take it in versus how you—I don't know, like how you respond to it. I guess, like, like if somebody Mm -hmm. tried to make me feel ashamed about something, they couldn't do that. Like, I wouldn't allow
1: it, right? Because you're, you're, you have the built-in self-talk, right? And whether, whether by you know nature and nurture, you, you do, yeah. And if I, if I,
0: if I, hmm, if I should feel ashamed about something, I'm already aware of it. I don't need mm-hmm. I, Yeah,
1: you've already led yourself there. Yeah, yeah. don't worry.
0: I've thought about it already. <laughs> and and so, yeah, Scott's got it all covered. I know what I've done wrong, okay? <laughs> so it it's it, like you can't you can't do that to me. I've already and I think that's a a preemptive way of handling your mental health, which mm-hmm. is you can't ignore things. You just sort of have to look at them, assess them, be honest with yourself and say, "All right, well, we're all still alive. I got to keep going." You know what I mean? Like now if I You know, if I stand up and do something heinous right now, maybe I can't get past that. But Mm -hmm. I I don't I live my life very simply. I'm gonna tell you something. When when my kids asked me what the key to life is when they were younger, I said I said, Well, here's what I do: I don't lie unless I have to, and I treat people the way I want to be treated as often as I can. Mm -hmm. And I don't Mm -hmm. feel bad about anything that doesn't follow those two rules. I am doing my Mm -hmm. I'm doing my best. I have good intentions every day. And so if something doesn't go right or my intentions can't cover everyone, well, then that's what it is. I'm not going to mm-hmm. sit back here and feel badly about it. And if somebody doesn't, you know, to be more specific, if there are people who listen to this podcast who don't like it, and some of them are happy to tell me, <laughs> and and I, um, and I read their reviews and I think, well, it's not for them. I never once think I should stop doing this. Mm-hmm. You, you know, and it I see who it helps. It helps more people than it doesn't help. It's a valuable thing. I okay. wouldn't spend five seconds yeah. worrying about the alternative.
1: Well, and that is a result also of boundaries, right? Of having healthy boundaries around your mindset.
0: Yeah, what do I and, care? Mm-hmm. Listen, Erica, mm-hmm. I don't want to be, you know, like, you know, but let me just say this. <laughs> Think of all the people you know. How many of them do you trust? (laughs) So (laughs) so what are you going to start worrying about people you don't know for coming Mm -hmm. and saying things to you? I saw something Mm -hmm. in the Facebook group recently that was, was, you know, it happens once in a while. Like someone, I'm going to give a very like generalized, uh, like someone comes on and describes, this is a cat. And then someone says, yes, that is a cat. And they go, I can't believe you said that to me. (laughs) Like, like, (laughs) like, Don't come on and tell me that, you know, uh, my family treats me like this. And when somebody else says, wow, well, your family is terrible. Don't go, you can't speak about my family like that. I was like, well, you came here, you described a terrible situation, and now I'm agreeing with you and trying to support you. And suddenly, you don't want me to tell you the cat's a cat. Like, well, then... I don't know what to do here, and I never feel that way. Like I just feel like, just be honest and take honest responses from people. Do take the ones you want. Like I'm not going to tell you there haven't mm-hmm. been some reviews that I've read, and I thought, eh, that person's right. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, if you if you don't go back and listen to eight years of this podcast and see that in 2022 that the, the split of me speaking to the guest speaking is more 50-50 than it was in the beginning. Well, you're not, you know, I've learned from that. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> uh huh. So, I mean, somebody said that to me years ago, like, dude, you talk too much. And at first I was like, all right, fair enough. It, mm-hmm. You know, I'll see what I can do about it. Mm-hmm. So, I, I don't know.
1: Yeah, but you're open. Like, again, that's the boundaries, like of knowing when when is it appropriate to let something in and when is it not. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I think that the Facebook posts you just described, that maybe that feels like, I think just going back to the awareness of if you are feeling a certain emotion, I know we're talking specifically about guilt here, but, it, and if you're posting something and you're responding differently, then maybe you're, that person was looking for something different, right? Um, and a need was not met in that other person's response. But just going back to the awareness of, gosh, I, I'm posting so much about this guilt. And it's not changing. Um, I think that really is the, you know, the first step in trying to help yourself, but also normalizing and validating for yourself that it's going to happen.
0: Right. I want to say too that, you know, as we use examples from like a Facebook group, that people could be like, oh, that's online. It's, trust me, I've been looking at it for years. It is a reflection of how people feel. It's actually a more honest reflection of how they feel because they feel anonymous to some degree. Mm -hmm, And so mm -hmm. this is their one chance to get this, this, Unburden themselves. Sometimes Um, it's you know forget it being a Facebook post. It's it's a person's thought, and then it's how they respond to other people around them. I don't know. I my point was that people don't have real control over how you feel if you don't let them. Mm -hmm. And I don't know the secret to that. I just know it's true. Like like there Mm -hmm. there are probably. I was talking to somebody recently, and you probably have to go, um, but um, I was talking to somebody recently who runs another Facebook group, and they said, I don't like it when people speak poorly about my Facebook group. And I was like, why do you care? I, was, I said, "I said, aren't you, you're helping all these people, right? And they said, yeah. I said, well, so somebody doesn't like the way you do it. Like, who, who cares? And I said, don't you think that there are other people in the world who don't agree with you? And I said, you're just not aware of them but they, uh-huh. they don't, it's the same, it's just like when my kids asked me about, like, when cyberbullying first happened, like, you don't mm-hmm. think of it, but as technology changes, you know, things, you know, happen in the zeitgeist that, that become more real, cyberbullying mm-hmm. is one of those things, I told my kids, I was like, don't look, it doesn't exist, <laughs> and I'm like, what, I was like, there could be someone in the backyard right now telling, I don't know, the birds, what an asshole I am, I don't hear them. It ain't happening. And I said, now, if it becomes real in your life, you know what I mean? Like, that's obviously a different story. But mm-hmm. the idea that everyone's going to like you or agree with you, I don't even know why people would expect that. Like, mm-hmm. have I ever told you how when I first met my wife, she said, do you know some people really don't like you?
1: I, I don't know
0: if you shared that yeah, with me. <laughs> yeah, she goes. She goes, some people love you and some people really don't like you. And I said, uh-huh. yeah, I know. And she used a person as an example. And it was a person that I generally don't have a lot of respect for to begin with. I didn't know they didn't like me, but they're a person like I would not model myself after. And my answer uh-huh. to her was, what would it say about me if he did like me? I'm glad he doesn't like me. I I mean, looking at who he is, that's not the kind of person I would want to agree with who I am. Mm. And I don't know. I've just felt like that since I was young. You know, anyway.
1: So that's, that's yeah, those are your boundaries and kind of protective measures. But I don't deserve them, Mm -hmm. Erica.
0: I don't deserve them (laughs) any more or less than someone else does, which makes me feel like anyone could put themselves in that position. I just don't know how to tell them to do it.
1: Mm -hmm. I don't know. Well, yes. And you, but I think over, I mean, I know we could keep going, but I think it's just over your lifetime too, you've learned how to, how to protect yourself in those ways, just based on the anecdotes I've heard over our times together. Your
0: hands up, Erica, bob and weave. You know what I mean?
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah.
0: That's all. Just pay attention to where the swings are coming from and just get out of the way. I don't know. Anyway, I wish everybody a ton of luck. This is an incredibly serious thing. Um, Mm -hmm. I, I, Guilt is horrible. Shame feels horrible. Um, I hope you can find a way not to 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 um, to get sucked into that vortex. And um, I don't know. Good luck. Yes. I mean. Yeah.
1: You're you're not alone. And yeah. reach reach out
0: right. for help. Go mm-hmm. go wherever you can. Erica yes. uh, only works in California because laws. Uh, but you know, <laughs> but she can help you virtually. EricaForsythe.com. Yes. Right.
1: Yes, that's right.
0: Yeah. If you're yes. a California resident um or there have to be somebody somebody in your local area must have went to college and paid attention enough to help you go find that person
1: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh thank you
0: a huge thank you to one of today's sponsors Gvoke glucagon find out more about Gvoke HypoPen at com. Forward slash juice box. You spell that G-V-O-K-E G-L-U-C-A-G-O-N dot com. Forward slash juice box. To get started today with US Med, go to USmed.com forward slash juice box or call 8-721-1514 your diabetes supplies. Well, that can be an easy thing. Doesn't have to be a pain. Try US Med. Often your blood glucose meter just gets given to you by a doctor, but you have a choice and you can get a great one at contournextcom forward slash juice box. Thanks so much to the contour next one blood glucose meter for sponsoring this episode of the juice box podcast. We mentioned it in the uh, episode, but if you live in California and you'd like to use Erica, she, uh, she got a, a website ericaforsythe.com. Go check her out. She really is terrific. And you know what? The Facebook page got mentioned a lot during this episode. It's a private group. It has 25,000 people in it now. Juicebox Podcast, Type 1 Diabetes. You have to answer a couple of questions just so the algorithm over at Facebook knows you're a real person, and then you're right in. Juicebox Podcast, Type 1 Diabetes. Absolutely fantastic group. I'm incredibly proud of it, and I think it might be valuable to you. I think that's about it for today. Thank you so much for listening. I'll be back very soon with another episode of the Juice Box Podcast. Please remember to take care of your mental health as well as your physical health. It's all very important and one helps the other.